people, again, like I said before, became even stronger. And some people never went away. So we're going to go and we're going to call this guy Charlie. Charlie! <laughs> Don't laugh. Charlie's a nice, you know, name. But it's not like Chaim or Shlaimi. Well, actually, Charlie once was a Chaim. <laughs> really? <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> he forgot how to spell Chaim? <laughs> Only one mem. My, my, my tongue got stuck or whatever. Okay, yeah. Well, anyways. Well, uh, when he was in a concentration camp, unfortunately, he saw too many things that kind of made him wonder about things. And unfortunately, he didn't see it through a Tyridic eye. He saw it through his own eyes. And he just went, I guess... I know, you can tell us he went off the Derek Torah. That's right. And he came to America. Charlie came to America. And, uh, he, he, matter of fact, it's really funny how he got his name Charlie. <laughs> really? <laughs> you mean it wasn't his birth name? No, no, no. Told you, his name used to be Chaim. Oh, Charlie. So how did he get his name Charlie? Well, when he came to America, he didn't speak such good English. <laughs> and and now he does? Well, I don't know if he's living yet anymore. But, but whatever it is, let me tell you something. Uh, he came to America, and, uh, no, he was uh, walking around the streets, and he was, like, uh, uh, speaking Yiddish still, you know, and maybe a little Hungarian or whatever language he spoke, or Polish, or whatever. He was walking the streets, and uh, he was trying to find... Uh, you know, to be able to rent an apartment, you know, with some special money that he got, you know, to be able to have an allotment or whatever the government gave him or something, you know. I don't know the whole details of that, because, but that's not important. But just, uh, you know, a little bit important. It's a sidetrack, but, but it's part of the story. Oh, okay, whatever. So how did he get his name Charlie? Mm. See, he was walking uh, in the streets, and he was looking to rent an apartment. So he saw a person, and he said... I want to rent in an apartment. And of course, that person didn't understand Yiddish. So he went over, he didn't know what his name was, but this man had a habit of calling people that he didn't know. He used to call him a Charlie. So he said, hey, Charlie, man, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? So, uh, you go find somebody, Charlie, that speaks your language, okay, Charlie? Charlie, Charlie. So, my English name now became uh, Charlie. Ich kai riefen, I call myself Charlie, Charlie, okay, okay. And so that's how he got his nickname, Charlie. <laughs> Why didn't he correct him and tell him his name was Chaim? Because I told you, he wasn't interested in Yiddish kind anymore. You mean he... Uh, did he? What, did he have a beard? He once had a beard. Did he have payas? He once had payas. Um. Does he have a nose? He still has a nose. Uh, Yussi, please. Uh, oh, I'm just just getting curious. Okay. So uh, basically, he went off to Derek and he took off his yarmulke. Obviously, that's right. And he lived a life like a guy. And you know, uh, there's a few things he kept around that was Jewish, but he never put on tefillin. He didn't put on a talus or a tzitzis, nothing. He didn't even make brachos anymore. He got himself a job, and he learned to speak English. You know, at nighttime, he used to they used to have in the early years, you know, like in the 1940s, they used to have these kind of programs in, in, in a library where a person could learn, you know, to speak English. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. Okay, so he learned English, and 
And then he went to find the shul? I told you, he didn't find the shul. He wasn't interested in Yiddishkeit. But uh, couldn't anybody, like, bring him back? <laughs> you know, <laughs> when somebody tried to bring him back, as a matter of fact, there was once a rabbi who saw him on the street and said, Excuse me, pardon me, but uh, if I didn't know any better, I, I would think the way you look, uh, you look like you're a Jew. How do you know I'm a Jew? I'm not a Jew. Well, I tell you, you see, because your arm has a number on it. Uh, a number? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, what, what, what number? You cannot fool me. I see your arm has a number from a concentration camp. You was in the lager, yes? Uh, uh. Yes. So, I also, look at my sleeve. Let me roll it up. See? I got number also. Which one were you in? Hey, I, I, I was in uh, in Buchenwald. Where were you? I, I, I was in Auschwitz. Listen, I'm not interested in talking about this, okay? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, no, no. So, um, uh, okay, I, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't get angry and please don't get upset. Um, you know, maybe you're looking for a place to daven, and my shul is a nice shul. I, I, I wouldn't mind having you there. I, I'm sorry, Rabbi. I, I, I don't daven anymore. Oh, that's terrible. Why not? What do you mean, why not? <laughs> I don't daven anymore because <laughs> I don't believe in Hashem anymore. Okay? That's as simple as all that, okay? Oh, I see. Well, if you change your... I'm not going to change my mind so easily. Yeah, right now you're suffering. I understand, but we're going to change someday. And of course, you know, he didn't change. And eventually he was making a steady living and he decided it was time for him to get married. So Charlie went and he got married. So Charlie got married. He married somebody that was Jewish. Now, I don't know clearly because, you see, I got this story from a person named Mendy S. who told me that he heard this story from someone and he wants to hear how I tell the story in my way of telling a story. But I tell him, okay, I'll do it on one condition, but you don't tell me who the person is that told the story because I don't want anybody to go around and say, you tell it better than he did, and, or he tells it better than you. I, I, don't, I don't want to go for that stuff. So therefore, I just like the story that he told me. So this is the story, and this is the way I'm going to be telling it. Okay, so <clears throat> what happened was is he got married, like I said, and he had a baby boy. And he called the baby boy Marty. Now, of course, there was one guilty part of him that even though he wasn't keeping Yiddishkeit, he still felt he was a Jew, maybe not a practicing Jew, but there was something that held on to him that he decided to make a bris for his son Marty. That's what he did. He called his son Marty. And at the bris, the rabbi that he had, being the moyal or whatever it is, and took care of the whole ceremony, decided that he can't call him Marty, <laughs> you know, when he gives the name, creates a shame, so he called him Mordechai. <laughs> and that's what he called him, Mordechai. So his Hebrew name was Mordechai, but he never used it. He always was known as Martin, formally, and then if his nickname is Marty. That's the way he was known. And so, uh, you know, and uh, of course, like I said before, whether it worked out that way or not, but the matter of fact is, you know, uh, Charlie did marry someone that's Jewish, but also not religious. Meanwhile, the years would creep on, and it was time for... I know, it was time for uh, um, um, Marty to go to, to Yeshiva. <laughs> 
Yes, it would be nice if he went to Shiva, but he didn't. He started to go to public school. And he didn't know anything. He didn't know anything. And I'm telling you, Claw, when it came to the Goyesha holidays and the Goyim around and were doing their holidays, he did it too because his friends were, quote, <laughs> they were doing it. But he didn't know nothing about Yiddishkeit. He didn't celebrate Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and he didn't have the joy of shaking a lulav. Nothing. Nothing. But, you know, <laughs> Well, why are you looking at me? I'm just curious to know, like, I'm this guy, Mendy, uh, Mendy S, whatever the S stands for. Uh, how did he know this story? Uh, I told you, you heard it from someone. But how did that guy know the story? Ah, well, um, <clears throat> well, you see, um, I- I'll tell you later on, okay? Uh, okay, tell me later on. Okay, so, so what happened? So he went to Yeshiva. Honey, no, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's what you thought. Yeah, did I mix you up? No, of course not, I was just kidding around. He didn't go to yeshiva, it would be nice if he went to yeshiva. Unfortunately, he went to the public school, and he hung around with all these kids and everything like that, and then he kept some of the goyesha holidays because his friends were keeping it, but yeah, whatever it is. And that one iota of Yiddishkeit in his entire life. Then, it was time for him to move on to high school. To high school? Wow, he grows up fast. Well, I have to get to the nitty-gritty part of the story. I just needed to give you a little background. See? Now you understand. Yeah, I understand. Because his father uh, lost his moon in Betachen because of what happened to him in the Holocaust. So, uh, um, so therefore, he, he gave up Yiddish guy totally, and he brought up his son like a total guy. Uh, but his son knew he was Jewish of some sort, but had no idea what being Jewish is about, right? That's about right. You got that right. So, anyway, so let me tell you what happened. So now he was in high school. And, you know, as you get older, you get a little smarter. At least you think you are. I know I am. Yes, he... And anyway, so what happens is that, that he probably started to be mischievous because now he could start thinking a little more from himself, right? That's right. And uh, when he was in high school, especially when he was a senior, he started to hang out with this guy who we're going to call him Bob. Okay, Bob. Like short for Bobby? No, 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 no. Bobby. Like short for Robert. Oh, right. Robert's are called Bob. <laughs> I don't know why, because maybe Robert's bobbed ahead. I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is, I don't know. But we're going to call him Bob. Uh, okay, um, um, we're ready to pick up, and this is where the story is going to begin from. Okay? We have all the background, and now <laughs> get into it. All right, all right, I'm getting into it. All right, all right, all right. Hey, Bob, how you doing? How's everything, man? How's cool? Cool, cool, right? Everything's cool? Yeah, man, everything's cool. Everything cool. Cool, cool. So listen, man, you know, uh, Marty, you hang out with me, you know, uh, we, we could uh, see great things together, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, like, what kind of great things can we see together, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, well, Marty, you know, I got big vision. Really? You could see more than 2020? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I have what we call foresight. Really? You have foresight? <laughs> That's cool, you know. I didn't know that. Uh, well, not that way. Well, let me explain it like this. Uh, hey, Marty, you like money? <laughs> Who doesn't like money? What do you mean? What's the problem? Everybody likes money, but, uh, you know, I hope, you know, like when we finish high school, I go to college, you know, and I get myself a good, you know, degree, and I get myself a good job to make the money. Yeah, man. Well, that's hard work. I got different kind of plans. Here, come over here. Come over here? 
Come with me. Come on. Why can't we talk right here? What's, what's the problem? Oh, because uh, I don't want anybody to over here. Now, um, meet Larry. Larry, how you doing? I'm all right. Hey, Marty. Good to see you. Hey, are you sure we can trust him? Well, you never know. I mean, he's been with us since he was in grade school, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we never tell him uh, what we started to do. Oh, no, no, we didn't. Uh, hey, guys, you know, like, maybe you want to tell me, like, what you guys do? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, like, um, like, what is it that you guys do? You know what I mean? Oh, well, to tell you the truth, let's look around you. See anybody around? No, I don't see anybody around. Okay, so let's get this straight. I'm going to let you know a secret. And if you tell a soul, you'll never live to tell a soul. <laughs> Wait a minute. If I tell a soul, then I told a soul. Then I live to tell a soul. So how can I not live to tell a soul? Basic idea is, if you snitch or let anything out from what we're going to reveal to you, you're finished. <laughs> Stop talking riddles. Just tell me what's going on. Hey, come on, Bob. You know, hey, we've been friends for a long time. What's going on? You got, you're holding a secret from me? What's going on? Hey, Larry, uh, you want to tell me? Well, things aren't as, as it appears to be. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What, what, what do you mean? You mean we're not friends anymore? No, we're friends, all right. But you see, <clears throat> you know, to go to work... <laughs> It's hard, man. You know, you work, and then you get tired, and then you come home, and then you can't chill out. You know what I mean? Oh, well, you just take a little rest, and you can chill out. I mean, you know, you don't have to take a hard job. Well, if you like things, you need money. And if you get a simple job, like a counter boy or something like that, or a guy who stocks shelves and things like that, um, you actually can't uh, do much. Yeah, I'm not sure I follow. Do you want to explain me what's going on? All right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, okay? Uh, I'm not going to pull your leg. <laughs> he knows near my leg, so what's the difference? Come on, stop with the jokes. Yeah, come, on, come on, stop speaking riddles. All right. Uh, we make a lot of money. I want you to take a look at this watch I'm wearing. Yeah, okay. It's a nice watch. It works. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, it works. So what's the problem? Yeah, you know how much this watch costs? No, <laughs> I don't buy such watches like that, you know. Looks too expensive. I mean, how much you pay for it? Like uh, $30 or something like that? <laughs> A watch like this. Yes, $30 is very expensive for our time period. That's for sure. In the 1970s, you better believe it. That's a pretty expensive thing for $30 to spend for a watch. But this one here cost over a thousand dollars a thousand dollars then why would you want to spend a thousand dollars on a watch i mean with a thousand dollars you can buy yourself a new radio you can buy yourself a, a new bicycle a 10 speed you know whatever you know i mean come on you know and you have so much left over oh i do got left over what you do got left over what what on earth you guys are still talking riddles what are you talking about <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <coughs> all right, all right. <coughs> Bob is laughing too hard. But before I tell you what we do and what we've been doing, and we'd like to include you with us, uh, I just want to tell you that he meant what he said. If you live to tell a soul, 
<coughs> you won't live to tell us all. <coughs> okay, everybody's clearing their throats, and I'm clearing my throat. Uh, what on earth are you talking about? Will you please stop the riddles? All right, all right, all right. I'm going to stop the riddles. We're thieves. You, you, you what? We're thieves. You what? Hey, you heard us. We rob. You beat up people and rob? No, 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 no. We don't like to get into fights, and we don't like to hurt people. We just want their money. So we research and we follow people, and then we see when they go in their apartment, when they go out of the apartment, we see if they have an alarm or they don't have an alarm, and then one of us uh, stays as a stakeout, as a, you know, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, like the guy who's the watch guy, you know, like he watches to see the, the lookout guy. Yeah, 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 that's right. One guy is a lookout guy, and, and then uh, we break into the house, and of course we leave no fingerprints. What do you mean you leave no fingerprints? I mean, if you open the door, I mean... Hey, we wear latex gloves, so it leaves no fingerprints. Huh, cool. So, wait a minute, but if I don't want to join you guys... Hey, 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 we let you in on a secret, because we knew that you would join us. Hey, we've been friends for years. Now, look, we've been robbing for a couple of years, right, Larry? Uh, yeah, I remember robbing for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we've been robbing since we got out of uh, elementary. Wow. That means you guys have been robbing for like four years? Yeah, that's right. Hey, what is, what is your problem with that? Hey, you know we got another guy that works with us. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, he should be here any minute. Hey! <laughs> here he is! Johnny! Come here! Hey, man. What's happening? Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, what's he doing here? Uh, well, we were thinking about uh, bringing him into the gang. Remember, because uh, Henry, he moved out of the country. I think he moved to, to Japan or something because his father has a military job or something. So we need a new lookout guy. <laughs> a lookout guy? That's what you want me to do? Hey, you get an equal share. When you get good, we'll take turns on the lookout. Don't worry. Hey, make a lot of money. Don't just look at this watch. Hey, you're going to see. I'm getting my license soon to drive. And I'm going to have a fancy car. You'll see. And so, sure enough, unfortunately, we joined the group. And uh, now the four of them formed a gang. They planned everything very, very carefully. There wasn't a thing that they missed in their plans. Bob was pretty smart. Very smart. And Larry was experienced. And, of course, the lookout guy, which was now Marty, no problem. And the muscle guy, you figured it out. I know who it is. The muscle guy is that guy Johnny, right? Because he didn't sound too bright, so he's probably brawny, right? Because he is brawn. Brawny means muscle, right? That's right. He was a strong fellow. Okay, uh, let's see what happens. Okay, take it away. All right, all right. Now listen to me carefully. Um, you know, we uh, just finished high school, and we graduated. And now we're going to college to go through the motions, okay? Don't have to take any fancy courses. Let everybody think we're in motion. Let everybody think we're doing something. Okay, now listen. We're going to meet in the dormitory room tonight. And I'm going to tell you 
our latest thing we're doing. And sure enough, later on that night, they met in the dormitory. And of course, Bob made sure that the windows were closed, that they couldn't have a tiny crack open so no voice should leave the room. And they made sure the window shades were down. And they closed the door. And they looked by the people. And then they walked further away from the door so nobody could overhear near the door. Wow, you guys take a lot of precautions. Okay, what is this thing that you're doing? All right, listen here. We're moving up. <laughs> moving? All right, where are we moving to? Uh, uh, move a fancy apartment? No, not talking about that. Up until now, we've been breaking into houses. Yeah, that's right. Well, tonight, we're going to break into a jewelry store. What? That's insane. What are we going to do with the diamonds? How are we going to, you know, get rid of it? Hey, leave it to me. I made a contact with a guy who owns a pawn shop. He said he'll take it off of me if I give him a cheap price. Hey, don't worry. We're going to make money. But they have alarms. I never heard of a jewelry store, even in 1970s, that didn't have an alarm. I mean, come on, you know what I mean? Hey, listen to me carefully. Don't knock it. I know how to bypass the alarm, okay? Just leave it to me. You're going to be the lookout on this one, okay? Now, just uh, remember, you give the signal, like we said, and don't run if you see any cops or anything like that. It doesn't mean they know we're in the store. You understand? Yeah, but, 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 I mean... Hey, listen to me. Sometimes what it means is they're just on patrol. Act relax, and they won't suspect a thing. Yeah, right, okay, act relax, sure. And sure enough, he was the lookout guy. And they went to the store late at night. And Bob took out his lock-picking things, but before he did that, he traced the wires that led to the alarm, and he bypassed it. He was an expert at it. He managed to bypass the alarm without having to get into the store. And then, of course, he picked the lock. He went in there. In 15 minutes, he cleared out quite a lot of jewelry. And, of course, they were wearing gloves, and they made sure they were wearing masks, ski masks, that is. No perm customs, ski masks. So no one could see their faces. And this was going good for a year or two. And now we're up to the part in the story where guess what? Ah, um, ah, um, um, ah, the police find them and then they arrest them and they lock them up in jail. You're getting close, but not exactly. Uh, so they've been doing this for a few years and they've been taking turns. And now, you know, uh, I know, I know. So, 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 so Marty is like now full time with them. And he sometimes does the break-ins and everything like that. And they leave no clothes whatsoever, right? That's right. But, you know, no matter how much you try not to leave a clue, you usually do. For example, walk across the room. Okay. Okay, now, <clears throat> walk back. Okay, what was that for? Now look at the floor. <laughs> oh, there's nothing there. That's right. You don't see nothing there. But the police, they can go over and pour special chemicals that make sort of like a, a picture mold of your footprints. And then they could tell what kind of shoe you were. Then they could trace where the shoe was sold. And then eventually they can catch you. <laughs> they could do that in the 1970s also. Well, they were starting to do it. Okay, anyways, 
So I don't want to give away this part of the story yet, but let's get into it. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so what happened? All right, so now the two of them and the other two makes four. Okay, come on, get, get to the chase. No, they weren't being chased. They were in the dormitory room in the college, and they're making the next plans. All right, see? We did that so smoothly. Now, you ready for this one? We're going to break into a bank. What? A bank? Come on. I mean, they got walls, thick walls and everything. I mean, come on, how are we going to do that? Hey, listen here. I'm getting real good at picking locks. So that shouldn't be a problem for me to pick their safe. Okay? Now, uh, the question is the alarms and everything like that. So, uh, Larry, did you do what I asked? Yeah, 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 I did what you asked. See, right next to the bank is a, a warehouse, <laughs> like a factory warehouse. And at night, it's not occupied. So the trick is, we break into the warehouse, which doesn't have an alarm. And then uh, we make a hole <laughs> from the ceiling on the roof, you know, and then we lower ourselves with a rope. And then we're inside the bank, and we make sure not to trip any of the wires. <laughs> That's all. It's simple, right? And then, of course... Yeah, I know. This is where I come in. Then, uh, after you go uh, to either the safe deposit boxes, or to the safe and open up, and then you fill up the duffel bag with the money and everything, and all the belongings that, that I keep in safe deposit boxes, then I, big, strong Johnny boy, pick it up. <laughs> My pleasure. And so, sure enough, they waited for the clock to be ticking. And finally, it was around midnight. Come on, Ramirez, they didn't have such clocks like that. Well, I don't know, he had some sort of fancy wristwatch. I don't know if it did that. But anyways, the mice, what happened was this. They snuck to the warehouse. Bob was there with his picking stuff. He picked the lock. They went inside quietly. They closed the door again, and they made it look like it was locked so in case a patrolman would pass by. Then they went up to the roof, and he had a small little powered generator powered by batteries that recharged itself. It was a big contraption. Nowadays, one, two, three little things, little tchotchkes. But in those days in the 70s, eh, they had to have a big tchotchke. So, of course, I know. So, so Johnny carried up. Right. So they were drilling, and they busted in to the wall in the ceiling. They lowered themselves into the bank, and they went down there. And they started picking the locks from the safety deposit boxes. They made sure not to kick off any alarms. And they took the money. Then, of course, they raised it up through the rope. And they went on their way. And everything was fine. And the next day, of course, you know, police cars came. <laughs> oh, and the old days, sorry, didn't have that kind of alarm. Uh, right, right. I mean, not the kind of siren, you mean? Yeah, right. They had the old-fashioned siren that went. Anyways, so the police came, they checked out the bank, and of course, there was no fingerprints. But since this was a bank, it's a federal case. And do you know what that means? Uh, they called in the FBI and the ABCs of the rest of the alphabet. No, no, no. Just the FBI. Okay, so they called in the FBI, which means the Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's right. So they called in the FBI, and the FBI came down there. And they started looking for clues. And, of course, these four thieves thought they had it made in the sun. 
but there was this uh, <clears throat> this FBI man, which we'll call Bogart. Okay, Jeffrey Bogart. Okay, well, I'm, uh, is he Jewish? Like a name Jeffrey? Sometimes Jewish? No, I have no idea. I just made that up on the spot now because I don't know who the name is. Oh, okay. So, because so, you don't want to go Poloni, but Poloni is the FBI man. Hi, my name is the FBI. I'm an FBI man. My name is Poloni Bembaloni. <laughs> okay, I got it. I got it. So his name is Jeffrey uh, Bogart. Yeah, that's the name I gave. Okay. So Jeffrey Bogart looks around. Hmm, let me see what's going on here. Hey, uh, you guys see anything strange? Look for clues around here. There has to be a clue. I've been in the FBI for a long time. And I know that every thief makes a mistake. I mean a steak. A mistake. A mistake. Did he say steak? I like steak. Not steak, sonny boy. I'm not sunny, but I'm yussy. Oh, you, just, you just, please, okay? Okay. I don't want to get uh, caught with the FBI, you know. <laughs> you might arrest me. <laughs> oh, hi. Okay. <clears throat> Let me continue in the story. I mean, look around, boys. Hey, boys! Hey, boys! Look over here! I found something! Look, it's, it's a small piece of latex. Small piece of latex? Give me that. Uh, so that's how they made sure there was no fingerprints, eh? That's what they did, eh? They used latex gloves. Look for more clues. Oh, wait a second. What is this? Oh, a strand of string. Whoa. Oh, it's moist. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. We might be able to get some evidence out of this. Yeah, sure, don't worry. And so sure enough, the FBI in those days, they didn't have the same equipment like they have nowadays, but they started processing things, and one thing led to another. They found out where the rope came from, what type of rope it is, and therefore only certain stores sell this kind of rope, and they asked around, and they said, and they, and they found out that somebody came in recently, four people came into the store, and they started putting things together, piecing things together. In the meantime... Unaware to these four guys, they said, <laughs> Hey, fellas, you know something? I was just thinking to myself, it's now about three weeks, and the police aren't on to us. The FBI aren't on to us. They have no idea who robbed them. We did a great job. We left no fingerprints, no evidence whatsoever. In a while, we'll be able to travel to another country and live it up, because... I think what we took from the bank is more than we ever did in anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so you know what I think we should do? Uh, what do you think we should do? <laughs> uh, you know, we're not going to rob again now. We don't have to for now, right? No, we don't got to. Uh, I think uh, what the boss is telling us, uh, te I mean telling us, not selling us. <laughs> uh, I think what the boss wants us to do is like, live it up. Uh, let's be cool. Let's go to a fancy restaurant. Okay? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, let's go to the same fancy restaurant, which we usually go to every time we pull a job. <laughs> Are you sure that's a good idea? I mean, to go to the same place? Hey, we go to different places, people get suspicious. Hey, we got nothing to hide. If you look like you got something to hide, then they do things, right? So, hey, look fear in the face. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, well, all right, whatever you say. Yeah, sure, no problem, no problem. Okay, okay, fine, fine. I'll look fair in the face. And so the four of them, they went to the restaurant. 
And they came inside the restaurant, and the waiter looks at them and says, oh, So, how are you? You would like to order the same uh, uh, Chinese special we have here? Uh, yeah, sure, no problem, yeah. Now, of course, I know, he didn't keep anything Yiddish, he didn't go do nothing Jewish, so therefore he ate Trafe, right? Uh, that's right, okay, as long as you know that. Okay, so now, <clears throat> let's see what happens, okay. So, uh, they were sitting down, and they were eating this Chinese food and everything, and one of them <laughs> took his fortune cookie, because as dessert they give fortune cookies, and he cracks it open. Hey, Porter, let me see what my fortune cookie says. <laughs> Oh, the old piece of paper. <laughs> I like to read these things. They're, they're, they're so funny. Uh, it says, uh, your luck is about to change. <laughs> they're right, because we're going to be so rich. My luck is going to change, yeah. <laughs> but just then, the doors to the restaurant burst open. <laughs> and from the back door, from the front door, from the chimney, from the garbage can, wherever it was possible, FBI agents came out, and they surrounded, they surrounded the table where the four guys were, the four thieves. They surrounded the table and said, All right, this is the FBI. Now listen to me very carefully. If you try anything funny, well, I just want to tell you that we got guns and it's loaded with ammo. Show. Uh, 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 excuse me. Um, wait, wait, why are you telling all this? I mean, <laughs> nice. You, you, you're here to catch a thief or something? I mean, what's going on here? Oh, uh, yeah. By the way, I mean, uh, what's going on here? Uh, you're here to catch a thief? I mean, what, what, what's what's the problem? You got a problem here? Uh, uh, we came in the middle of something or something? No, there's no problem. Your problem is you, and you, and you, and you, because you four are under arrest for trying to break in. Actually, you did break in to the Voice National Bank. And not only that, you robbed safe deposit boxes and you damaged the property. You made a hole in the roof. You know that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, maybe you got the wrong people or whatever it is. Really, eh? Well, let me tell you something. You may think you're so smart, but let me tell you something. We're smarter. Every thief makes a mistake sooner or later. One of you guys ripped your latex glove. <laughs> I don't get it. What is a piece of latex glove? It has my name and address on it? Come on, don't be funny. Oh, no. Uh, you see, latex is a very interesting thing. There's uh, a certain chemical uh, combination and everything like this. So uh, uh, we could find out which company made that particular latex glove. And it took us a while. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll have uh, some fancy computer that we can figure out things much faster. But meanwhile, let me just tell you like this. We figured out which store sells it, which is the closest, and a bunch of other things. And you guys, you know, you left a few threads from your rope that you uh, hauled the things away. And we traced that too. And then we put two and two together. Uh, you put two and together, you have four. No, yeah, we do. We got the four of you here right now. <laughs> You're under arrest, all four of you, and we got evidence. And they started to tell them about their evidence that they had. They had clear-cut evidence, and that they were watching them for a while. And even that bank job after that, when they started piecing 
pieces of the puzzle together. They watched her every move. And they noticed for college people that are not working, how do they have such large bank accounts? So the mice, they were arrested. They were put in jail. And now this poor little Martin, who is all but 20 years old, starts to get the shock of his life. Oh, man, am I in trouble now? My whole life is going to go bye-bye. Oh, this is terrible. I'm going to go into jail. That guy said, the FBI man told us that when we convicted, we could spend 25 years in jail. I'll be 45 years old when I come out of jail. Huh, it's going to be so hard to start a life then. Oh, how did I get mixed up with these people? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And sure enough, there was an arraignment. And the judge, you know, posted a, 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 a bail money. Whatever. I mean, they, they put up a bail. And these guys had the money, unfortunately. And so they put up bail money. And they were released from jail. And then he was walking the streets. And he didn't realize he walked into Borough Park. Now, Borough Park in the 70s was already pretty Jewish, but not the way it is now. So he was walking around the streets, and he was mumbling to himself. And then he finally sat down on one of the park benches, and there was one man that was very curious and followed him. I wonder why that man is uh, talking to himself. You know, he has all the features of a Jewish person, but he's not wearing a yarmulke. Maybe he's a boy, maybe Zayid was not for him. No, let me uh, sit down on the park bench and make believe I'm just sitting next to him. Uh-huh. You don't mind if I sit in the same bench, there's enough room. Uh, go ahead, suit yourself. I gotta get used to shearing because who knows? I may be in a jail cell, but who knows what kind of criminals. A jail cell? What are you talking about? What's going on here? What do you mean? What, what, you're in trouble? Well, trouble's not the word for it. Do you know, um... Just a minute. I'm just curious. I mean, you don't have to tell me yes or no, but I, I'm just curious, you know, because you have this look. Are you Jewish? Uh, yeah, I'm Jewish, but I know nothing. I know zilch. How come you're growing up not knowing anything about Yiddishkeit? Well, you see, because, um... It's very simple, you see, because, um... My father, he's a Holocaust survivor, and, uh... You know, um, uh, he's like, um, he gave up believing in, in Hashem, you know, and uh, so um, he sent me to public school. I know nothing about Yiddishkeit. You never went to shul for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur? Absolutely not. I never went to shul for Rosh Hashanah. I don't pray. I don't daven. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know it's going to sound strange, but I, 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 because my friends do, so I, I kept some of the Goyesha holidays. Wow, that's very interesting. You know something, buddy boy? Uh, you want to tell me what's bothering you? Why should I tell you? Because you told me already a little bit. Might as well tell me the rest. You said you're going to spend 25 years in jail. Why? Well, you know, I had a rough life. You know, and uh, now it's even rougher. You're talking riddles. Listen to me. No matter how tough your life is, it's nothing like mine. What do you mean, nothing like yours? You look like a person that's married and has kinderloch and everything. I do. I even have grandchildren. Oh, that's so lovely. So what are you trying to tell me? But my life before was miserable. But unlike you, I don't give up. I never gave up. 
I know that Hashem has plans, and everything has to happen for a reason. And they did happen for a reason, whether we understand it or not. He knows what he is doing. We are people. We can make mistakes, but not Hashem. Hashem don't make mistakes, you know that? I'm telling you. You know, if you check a look, for example, if you think something's going to happen, you're going to go to jail. You're going to say you did nothing? You said you were a thief. You robbed. Uh, I did? I said that? I don't know. And we were in the conversation you, when you mumble to yourself. Oh, yeah. I, 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 wow, I, was I mumbling that loud? Yeah, you're mumbling that loud. You know something? You think that there's no hope for you. <laughs> there isn't. I'm going to go to jail. The FBI has evidence all over the place. I mean, they've been trailing us for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but you know what? Yayid. And he accepts everybody who does a real tshuva. A what? What's a tshuva? A tshuva is to repent, to go back to Yiddishkeit. But I never was a Yiddishkeit. I mean, I know it was born. You have a bris mila? Yes, I, my father gave a bris mila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but uh, we don't do anything else as Jewish. Ah, you have the pintle yid. You have some spark of Yiddishkeit left. Listen to me. I daven in the scholia based on matters. In the who? You dove in a base of medicine with a skull? No, 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 no. There was a town in Galicia, Poland, called Skolia. That's the way we say it in Yiddish. Skolia in, 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 in Polish. Anyways, so Skolia was a very interesting town, and there was a rabbi, uh, Rabbi Chaim Rabinovich, was the founder of the Skolia dynasty, and, you know, he was a rabbi out there in Skolia. Eventually he came to America, too, and then, you know, he was like the first... Uh, Hasidish Rebbe <laughs> in America. Anyways, but then, you know, the family went back to, to, to Europe. Anyways, um, right now, currently, in this here, uh, he, he moved in here not too long ago, um, uh, the, the Rabbi, uh, Rabbi David Yitzchok Isaac Rabinovich. He, he's the current uh, scholar Rebbe here. You don't understand? Wait, 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 did you tell me there was a different uh, scholar Rebbe? Yeah, yeah, there's a different Scalia Rebbe now. But this story had to happen before 1979 because that Scalia Rebbe that we're talking about now was Nifter in 1979. Ow, ow, ow. So this story had to happen like in the... Oh, right, you said it happened in the 70s. That's right. All right, so now we get back? Yeah, yeah, I'll go get back. All right, anyway, so listen here. Uh, I diamond him and he's a very, very big tzaddik. I mean, this man... His feelers are unbelievable. He has this room, special built, so nothing distracts him. It, 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 he's a very holy man. You look at his face, you think there are sparks flying out. There are sparks of Kedusha, holiness, you understand? You talk to him. You tell him you want to be a Yid the right way. You tell him you want to come back to the fold, and you're not going to do your bad ways, and I'm sure that he, with his greatness, is going to be able to help you. I'm telling you, you don't give up hope. Yeah, but I did rob. I did these things. I deserved the punishment. You fell into the wrong crowd, and this is not something you did your free will. You wanted to belong to something. Well, you belong to Yiddishkeit, not to this Mishigas. If the rabbi feels you should go to jail, he'll tell you. If the rabbi feels that you could do tshuva and become somebody special, he'll tell you. All right, I'll go with you. And sure enough, he came inside. And the rebel looked at him and he said to him, Herzegzi, listen to me very carefully. The court appointed a lawyer for you. The lawyer already told you 
that there is no hope for you to get anything less than 25 years. And uh, maybe you could get a, a, a you know, a, a parole left, maybe. But no, you still have to spend 25 years. But I'm telling you like this. I'm going to ask you a question once and you tell me. And then I'll tell you what to do next. Uh, what's the question? If you are going to be free and not have to go to jail, will you come to become a Yid the right way? Will you come to a place where you could learn about Yiddishkeit, become a Shema Shabbos, and start doing Torah mitzvahs, and learn the greatness of what Torah is about? Um, well, um, uh, um, either that or you spend your time in jail. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah, I, I will. But you can't change your mind. Remember. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. And the Scully Rebbe closed his eyes for a few moments. Then he opened and he said, When the date comes for your court trial, your lawyer is not going to show up because he's going to be delayed and he's going to be late. And since he's going to be late, he doesn't want you to miss the trial the preliminary hearing. So therefore, he's going to send another lawyer in his place. And everything will be fine. Zygesund. Uh, yeah. You're mine. Uh, 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 mine. Uh, uh, mine. You're going to be all right. Don't worry. You'll see. And sure enough, the date of the trial came and the four defendants were there and the FBI agents were there piled up with their evidence and the FBI is there with the uh, prosecuting attorney, and they're going over the things they're going to say. And then the judge walks in. Gentlemen, gentlemen, this court will now come to order. Now, let us all be quiet and uh, proceed. Um, 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 uh, FBI, uh, please present your case. And the FBI got up there, and they spoke immaculately, and it was very convincing. And then, of course, the lawyers tried to defend all the other three. And the judge looked at it and said, The evidence is very clear. You're guilty, all three of you. Right, uh, um, next week we'll have a sentencing for you. We'll see if you go 25 years or life. Next case, <laughs> the fourth one here. Yeah. Where's your lawyer? Uh, my, 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 my lawyer, um, um, he, he's, um, I, I don't know, he didn't show up. I mean, he's supposed to, it was a court-appointed lawyer. I mean, I mean, he's supposed to be here, but I mean, but, but he's not here. I mean, he was supposed to be here, but, uh, but I mean, <laughs> I see we'll wait a few minutes, and if he doesn't show up, then we'll have to uh, see what we shall do. Uh, yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden, from the back, comes this clumsy-looking person popping in. <laughs> Oh, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Oops, oops, oh, sorry. I, I spilled my coffee on your shirt. I'm so sorry, sir. I, did, I, I didn't mean to do that, sir. Okay, now uh, let me see what's going on here. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, 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 your name is uh, Marty. <laughs> Marty, I'm here to defend you. I'm the lawyer. And he looked at him, he said, But you're such a young-looking lawyer, and you're so clumsy, and I'm, Don't worry, <laughs> not everything is as it appears. Okay, now, um, 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 uh, let me see. 
Uh, the, the FBI guy's going first. And the FBI presented a case that was unbelievable. And then the judge says, all right, now, um, defending attorney, attorney, <laughs> defending attorney, <laughs> defending attorney, <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, you uh, present your case. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, the guy's only 20 years old. And second of all, if he goes for 25 years in jail, he's going to come out 45 years. And uh, he's going to be 45 years old. He's going to lose half his life. You know what I mean? He can't make a life out of himself. And he made a mistake. And But it really wasn't his mistake. It's the other guy's fault. You know what I mean? And, and you know, like, I, I know the FBI has all this crazy evidence that shows that he was willingly doing what he was doing. But you know something? Uh, he's not guilty because he, he shouldn't be guilty because he was just making a mistake. And you know what I mean? I mean, of course, everything he said, did not make a stitch of sense. Didn't make sense at all. And the FBI was laughing. <laughs> no problem. He's going to go to 25 years, maybe more. <laughs> this is a joke. And all of a sudden, the judge said, Okay, are you finished with your case? Did you present it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, can I get another coffee in the meanwhile? Wait, wait, let me say the verdict. And the FBI guy said, Excuse me, you have a verdict now? How could you have a verdict now? We gotta go to full trial. This is just a hearing. Yes, yes, uh, but I heard the presentation of this lawyer here, and uh, I hereby declare that uh, the case is dismissed, and uh, this person is not guilty. Uh, he was tagged along, he was forced to do what he did, and uh, he really didn't want to do it, so therefore he's free to go. Okay, uh, next case, please. And the FBI couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. But the court orders were there, and the papers were signed, and of course, he was released. This guy, Marty, was released. And Marty couldn't believe it. And after the FBI left, and he was alone with the lawyer, he said, um, 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 excuse me, um, um, um I ask you a question, um, um, Yeah, sure, come right ahead. Uh, you don't even speak good. Yeah, I know. And you didn't present a good case. Yeah, I know. And the FBI was so convincing. Yeah, I know. So, so how did I get to go scot-free? Ah, oh, well, you see, <laughs> there's one thing that the FBI didn't know. <laughs> and I guess you didn't know until now. Uh, you see the judge? Yeah, yeah, what about him? And uh, that's my grandfather. The judge is your grandfather? Yeah, yeah, and my grandfather doesn't want to see me fail. He wants to become a real good lawyer, so he's helping me out, and therefore he's making my case, you know, go the right way. <laughs> You're free to go. <laughs> Your lucky day. I don't think it was a lucky day. I think it was a bracha from the skull, Yereba. And, of course, he did make the turnaround. And for years, from a person that didn't even know how to read Olive Bays, he started to learn. And he learned. And he learned. And it was years later that he finally started to learn some Gemara. And, of course, the first Masechta in Shas is Masechta Brochus. And it took him about 10, 15 years struggling with Amid by Amid. And he finally made a Siyam. And it was at this Siyam that he told over the story of his life and why this Siyam is so very special, even though he's much older in life. And yes, he did manage to stay from, and he started a nice from family. Baruch Hashem. Wow, turned out to have a happy ending. Well, that's great. Wow, do we have any time for some phone calls? Yeah, okay. 
All right. I never told this story before. Uh, I never told it either. Oh, uh, well, we're sharing the same headphone. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, hello, you're on the air. What is your name and what lesson do you learn in tonight's story? Hi, my name is Sean Zetti. I learned never to give up. Whoops. Okay, I guess we have to go to the next caller. Uh, hello, you're on the air. What is your name and what lesson do you learn in tonight's story? Hello. Oh. Hello. I'm Masha. How are you? Hey. Hey, well, what's going on here? I'm getting bad service down here. Hello. Hey, Jeffrey, Buddha, whatever your name is, just stop playing with the radio. <laughs> All right, Masha, just... Hey, you. Yeah. Jeffrey, stop it. Hello, FBI guy. Can you turn that oh, thing oh, off? By the way, Masha, there's one thing I wanted to tell you. Even in my story, what? I, I'm, I'm very anti-smoking, so I never even put in any, even in any of my characters to be smoking. So when you left me, I know, the, but I, I know. <laughs> you get that, Jabrowski, and you in the dressing room, please. I did not think you could smoke a cigarette. Take that out, please. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we, we got to go further because there are other phone calls. So, 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 Marsha, tell us your lesson that you learned, and this way we can go to the next caller. Um, uh, 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 hey, uh, Mr. Judge, you just erased <coughs> my paper. No! Okay, okay Masha, I really got to get to the next caller because we have other people on the line. So, uh, do you have... Uh, a... I think you just disconnected me again, Yassi. Uh-oh. All right, I'm sorry, Masha, but I got to go to the next caller, Okay. Okay. Hello, you're on the air. What is your name and what lesson do you learn in tonight's story? Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah, there you um, hello? Yes, you're on the air. What is your name and what lesson do you learn in tonight's story? My name is Mokia Rostov, and, uh, and I've learned that you should always have a munam, a dachon, and a sham, and always have a munam in chachonim. And never give up your Yiddish high, even whenever things seem to be tough. Excellent. You listen very well to the story. Beautiful. Okay, I think you're the last caller because we're out of time now, right? Okay, so that's the last call. So until next week, everybody have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful Shabbos. And until then, goodbye. Pizza Nosh, the pizza that